1: Bookie presents Shake Them Ropes. Use code ROPES to get 100% your first deposit. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, and Chris... Why can't they be friends forever? Why do they have to find their best friends, Chris? (laughs) Look,
0: sometimes, Jeff, sometimes... No, I know, it's hard, it's hard. Sometimes... When you win a couple of championships, and then you win a couple more championships, and then you lose those championships, Uh, mommy and daddy don't see eye to eye on things anymore. And uh, dialogue is an important part of communication in modern society. And uh, in this case, uh, your two moms did not have that.
1: Chris, I haven't been this traumatized since I went to see Disney's The Fox and the Hound. Oh, you, by the way, if you want to screw up kids, make them watch Disney's The Fox and the Hound.
0: I have no memory of this. Like, what screwed you up about The Fox and the Hound? Because
1: they they, they can't be friends because nature won't let them, Chris.
0: <laughs> That's intense. see, for me, it was... You seen The Brave Little Toaster? Yes. Okay, for me, it was the junkyard scene in The Brave Little Toaster Okay. where all those cars are singing and then they get crushed and like, you know, each one has a verse or like a section of the verse. And then like one by one, they get pounded into dust.
1: Oh, okay. No, the, the other one that messed me up, the, the end of time bandits where they, they've, they've, you know, the um, Kevin has gotten back to his home, but his house is on fire and, uh, and his parents find a toaster but it has that piece of evil in that. And he tells them not to touch it. And they touch it, they disappear. And Kevin just has this weird look on his face. And Sean Connery just kind of is playing one of the firefighters and he waves goodbye. And then there's the credits. I go, what the hell was that? (laughs) Is is he going to be alone for the rest of his life?
0: They wanted to set up the sequel, but, (laughs) you know, not every time are you able to get that sequel. But you want to leave that little seed out there like, oh, you see, this, this could happen.
1: Oh well, today, kids, we are sponsored by Keeps. More on them later. Um, starting with a little no- sad news. Twenty twenty's just been a gut punch for wrestling punditry and news as well. You know, we had Larry Zonka and Hyatt from Four One One. Uh, keep Jim Valley of uh, formerly of the Torch and Figure Four in your prayers. He's in the ICU right now. But uh, Casey Michael of Squared uh, Squared Circle Sirens. Passing away at the age of 26. He had been battling health issues for a long time. Um, a source for women's wrestling, but also a source for NXT in Florida. Um, just a champion for a lot of women who would not have a voice normally. Um, good dude. We talked occasionally, but I wouldn't say I knew him. I, I met him, I believe, at uh, uh, Mania Orlando. Um good good guy um from from all intents and purposes uh any thoughts or we can move on one of the two
0: i i don't have any thoughts uh you know i i saw the remembrances this week but i i did not know him uh, particularly well and was not particularly familiar with his I, work
1: i think the best uh tribute to him is all the women who are in wwe who thanked casey sasha banks nikki bella uh mia yim um, I know Nicole Matthews did as well. Shazza McKenzie did. I mean, just people who have finally come into their own uh, really, really paying tribute to him. I, yeah, it's just 2020 is just continuing to suck eggs <laughs> and we move on. Uh, plenty of news this week to get to. Uh, <laughs> this is Friday. So the Friday news dump happened. Vince McMahon sent a letter to Talents on Thursday saying they have 30 days to stop engaging with third parties or else face fines, suspensions, and even termination at WWE's discretion. This includes things like Twitch channels, YouTube channels, TikTok accounts, Instagram stuff. Looks like Vince McMahon is looking for uh, more control over the creative, but I believe in this letter as well, he said he not only controlled the images and likenesses of their characters, but these people's real names as well.
0: Ooh. Oh, man. And this is like, when I saw this headline, first person I immediately thought of is Big E because he is on a main event push right now. And the New Day guys are one of the biggest beneficiaries of third parties because they've built out their brand beyond what they do inside of World Wrestling Entertainment as a company.
1: I was thinking uh, Xavier Woods, especially. Yeah. I, I just, I this is so dumb because the company doesn't do anything with these properties. These guys are going out there and expanding their brands. And I think that's, it's it feels petty. I, I don't know if it's to control news because on Wednesday, AJ Styles on his Twitch revealed that he had gotten COVID and they just want to lock down on that. Or if it's just a lack of control thing, or even a lack of money thing, like WWE's not getting their taste. It, it, it I mean, we have like a lot of the women have Twitch channels or TikTok channels. And Lana, Selena Vega, Paige. It's it, it's just ridiculous uh, up and down. I, I don't get this.
0: I mean, I think you're kind of nailed what the motivations are. So I, I think. Some of it's the discrete events. There was uh, the one guy who Malcolm Bivens was managing, uh, who blurted out the finish to one of those NXT matches. Uh, didn't he do that on a Twitch stream or a live stream of some sort? Instagram,
1: uh, I, Instagram post.
0: Yeah, so I mean, so you had that. Uh, I mean, I think WWE would like to have a take or would like to have complete creative control over what everyone does or have like veto power over what everyone does or have the ability to just control the situation. I mean, I think the other part of it's just, Limiting the earning potential of these stars so that they have to make their money through WWE and they can, even though they are only independent contractors for WWE, can only make their money while working at WWE as an independent contractor.
1: Yes, you're independent, but you only work for us.
0: Right. No, (laughs) I, I mean, it's. You know, it's kind of like a joke construction, but McMahon time and again creates this paradigm with the, his independent contractors. A I, want more, con- I want to control you, but I don't want to have you as an employee.
1: A more on top of it company could learn to coexist and make it work for everybody. You could use it for marketing for your own company and marketing for them. You know, hey. Look, you just uh, wouldn't view
0: these things as threats.
1: Yeah. Because these guys are creative, you see it all the time, and you've seen it for years, where they're more creative outside of the job of being creative than in their job. And it's it's because of the system, of course, but still, you're like, good. (laughs) let's say a plane full of uh, McMahons gets lost for a week, and everybody's kind of sitting around going, what should we do? It would be... A far more fun program, I think, than than what you usually get on the whole.
0: Yeah, I don't think it would be micromanaged at this level. Right,
1: and that's the perfect word for it. That's what this is. This is micromanagement.
0: Which is weird, because a lot of times this show feels like it's flying very much by the seat of its pants.
1: Brock Lesnar is a free agent. They have taken down... um, his merchandise from the WWE shop because they no longer have permission to use it. Uh, rumors abound. He doesn't have a lot of leverage, but he does have some leverage. AEW. I don't think so. I think, I think Vince is going to pay him to make him happy.
0: I'm, I just had a flash image of a Brock Lesnar versus Jericho match that I never want to see ever. (laughs)
1: A UFC is a possibility, but at 43, I just don't see him doing a camp necessarily unless for a big money fight, but I could see them doing John Jones. I know Strike Force was kind of interested in a Fedor match. Uh, you know, Brock's about the money, and Brock doesn't care about anything else, so number one, good for him. Uh number two, uh, use the leverage. So we'll see what happens from there.
0: Brock Lesnar, I hate that guy. <laughs>
1: it's it's orange Orange cassidy's big brother grapefruit (laughs) (laughs) melon melon (laughs) melon cassidy and he comes out (laughs) (laughs) now i want nothing else though (laughs) or i want or i want a big money match for king of pro wrestling versus yano in New uh, Japan.
0: Okay, but Brock Lesnar actually out there dressed up like Orange Cassidy's <laughs> big brother in the denim jacket and everything. With doing a the lazy shirt of himself. Up. With a yes. shirt of himself
1: with glasses. No, that would be way yes.
0: over ironically. Like, like that actually, if he's all about the money and you explained to him that this would make some money. I don't know. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, that first, at first show, that first pay-per-view with a crowd back. There you go. Uh, some goings from the E. Uh Marl gone from NXT. Uh said to be an amicable splitting of the ways. He had not been on since the COVID outbreak. He had gone to Canada after spending a few weeks in uh out here in LA, Santa Monica to be exact, if you want to be proper about, but he's taking care of his mother right now as well. Uh had been rumors that uh his interest had waned a bit, but um I I remember reading the reactions to this and I'm like, I get why people don't like Mauro Ronaldo. Trust me week to week. He could be grading, but on those big takeover shows, when you need that kind of when energy, the
0: big call, he yes. was the big call guy. And and the thing is like, so I like Vic Joseph as your week to week guy. Like, and if we were back in like the year 1991 or whatever, I'd love Vic on my Saturday night show as the guy calling Saturday night. But when I need the big Monday night Tony Schiavone, this is the biggest night in the history of our sports-style call, Morrow can do that in a way that really no one else employed by that company can.
1: Vic Joseph and Tom Phillips are a great vanilla base. But you can't have a vanilla commentator all of a sudden go ape because they won't. You need that kind of energy, and I think that's part of what made the TakeOver special was Ranallo's genuine excitement at some of the stuff. Could he drop in too many pop culture references? Sure. But I will defend him. I will defend him.
0: Uh I think some of that came from him being bored with the product, and this this is entirely speculative, but I do think that there is probably a correlative relationship between him doing annoying pop culture references in a spamish way versus doing them on occasion and and how good the product is that he has to call and how engaged he is with the storylines that they're trying to tell
1: yeah and that's just it i I don't i don't find joseph or phillips to be as engaged in the story i know they're fans i know vic joseph especially is a big fan I, i i'm i'm and we don't even know how long Vic's going to be around, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm interested to see him in a crowd setting to see if he can bring any form of energy with that because I also don't think Stu Bennett or, well, Wade Barrett, sorry. <laughs> now that he's going back to the E, he has to use that name. Or Beth Phoenix are bringing that either. Beth will just scream something. And Wade, I, I'll be interested to see what Wade does on, on a big moment.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. And, and I mean... I think Moro leaving is also just a sign of the times in terms of what NXT has become during this run against AEW and what it appears to be continuing to be for the foreseeable future here, which is what you you'd call it main roster with yellow ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh And we, you know, had a by-the-numbers breakdown that I shot you in the DMs where you you could see just in the title defenses, the stipulative matches, uh, how long title reigns last, just everything about this promotion that made it special, a lot of which was long-form storytelling and slow burns. Those are all gone in favor of just a a messy, kind of boring slap together product sometimes
1: we have a lot more skits we have a lot more of the things that make wwe wwe whereas before we were kind of like oh this is like a pro wrestling promotion and it's one hour and it leaves you wanting more i don't want more after a two-hour nxt every week i'm no
0: like this week was a tough watch i like uh, that an hour-long match is kind of excessive but Man, it, NXT does that on a regular basis. I mean, the other thing is NXT used to be an hour or under an hour, and it was boom, 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 and had less room for filler and had more room for a faster pace. And uh, what I haven't seen broken down by the numbers, but what would be interesting is like just average match length, average interview length, and everything in the 45-to-1-hour era versus this 2-hour era.
1: As I said before, Wade Barrett's going to be on the call, but Nigel McGuinness will be doing the color commentary for (laughs) NXT UK from the United States because he's in the United States, which is interesting. Uh, NXT UK looking to start up tapings again.
0: I am very surprised that WWE is pressing ahead with this promotion. Because they've given it a shot, and I don't think it's ever really lit the world on fire. And I think it sort of peaked out. And COVID was a perfectly fine time to sunset this. And they have been making cutbacks and being profitable while doing so. It's amazing to me that uh, NXT UK was not on the chopping block.
1: I agree. Uh, but on the chopping block, apparently, the authors of pain have both been released. Um, this is. Uh, this their entire treatment since getting moved up to the main roster, was maddening from the start. You had the Paul Ellering stuff, and then you didn't have Paul Ellering.
0: Yeah, then no, you had When Paul Ellering got sent away, I thought that was a really bad portent for where they were going. Yeah, and
1: then you had Drake Maverick, and then one got hurt, came back. I believe the same one got hurt again. They decided to release both of them. Um, you know, they were part of the Seth Rollins story. Boy, I, if, if they both stick with pro wrestling, and I hope, I kind of hope they give old Paul Ellering a call. And I hope old Paul kind of calls up All Japan and says, hey... I got a couple of beefy boys. You remember the early 90s? Give them a shot. And I would be so down with that. I'd be down with them in New Japan. These guys aren't bad. No, and they have legit tough, toughness skills. They have legit yeah. fighting skills, which, which would make them big in a strong style type promotion. I am. If they decide to go with pro wrestling, I hope they continue as a unit. And I hope they just go over and they, they're the new you know, Williams and Gordy, and they just kill people. They ain't at Williams and Gordy level yet, but I want them to be a Williams and Gordy team. And then they build up their reputation over there, do a little bit more training, come over for a guest spot in a promotion in the States, perhaps, that is inclined to like Japanese wrestlers, such as, oh, I don't know, one run by Tony Khan, I'd be all for this.
0: What promotion is that? Tony Khan has a
1: promotion? Oh, yeah. He's doing wrestling now? Yeah, it's a little thing called AEW. Maybe you heard of it. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) One of the more baffling things to come out of news this week. Retribution will now be only on Raw, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> nothing says an anarchic group looking to make chaos like having to be on one program
0: oh that's the first time i heard that that's awesome It's they completely lost interest in this angle already and they're trying to find the the escape hatch as fast as possible it's
1: it's the, it's the scene from the marx brothers movie animal crackers where chico's playing the piano and groucho goes uh you have the ending yet? Yes. <laughs> and Chico, and Chico yes. goes, I think I missed it. <laughs> Gracho goes, well, if you come back around, do it.
0: <laughs> it. It's supposed to be a parody of Antifa, but what do you call a parody of a parody of Antifa? Because like this is like a parody of someone trying to do that parody.
1: <laughs> oh, and we can start talking about the main roster now. That That thing with Angel Garza and the reject from The Bachelor.
0: She's a she's a heck of an actress, isn't she, she?
1: Oh, if if she's trying to parlay this into something,
0: oh, I think she's got a bright future. Oh, do you? Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I no, mean, no, God, no, it, no, 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 I'm sticking. No, please expound. Well, I think it's her emotional range, Jeff. So <laughs> a lot of times people have trouble delivering the right tone for the dialogue here, which is very wooden dialogue, and she delivered it with a very wooden tone. <laughs>
1: Oh, I was I was hoping I was hoping she'd be revealed as the leader. And that would just be peak that, of
0: retribution. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> She's the brains of the operation. It's I'm the one letting him in this whole McAfee time. McAfee
0: was the off ramp, man. They should've just went there. It's all McAfee's master plan.
1: <sighs> Payback was Sunday. Easy two and a half hour show, but nothing of terrible consequence to me other than the uh I liked the women's tag match, at least three-fourths of it, uh, because of course Shayna Asuka or Shayna, uh Bailey, and Sasha are awesome. And uh, a new universal champion, Roman Reigns, the fiend with the six-day title reign, Chris.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think a lot of us saw this coming with the pairing with Paul Heyman. It's the most interesting story, but uh yeah, no. <laughs> Roman Reigns is your new Universal champion. Uh, Universal, let, right?
1: Yeah, Universal. Uh, let's uh, let's get through Raw and then talk about the awesomeness that was SmackDown. Because I think you and I agree that it was the best show um, for either company in a couple weeks, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's a fair assessment in my opinion.
1: Uh, Keith Lee took an RKO but didn't get beat. I think that was a bit of a mistake. Um, anything else from Raw?
0: <laughs> uh dominic mysterio is f- fine uh oh seth actually rollins. you know what that
1: match over delivered
0: okay that match was right. pretty
1: good over on uh on sunday night the 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 tag match oh
0: Payback. yeah the tag match. the tag match was good yeah 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 he's um, solid i was talking about the raw one i there's just something like i just don't like this seth rollins character so, yeah, no, he's back to. He's like a worse version of that guy, though. That guy, <laughs> when he was paired with Triple H, even though he was like Triple H's number one henchman instead of like an actual champion, that was a more enjoyable iteration of the <laughs> Seth Rollins than this <laughs> Monday Night Messiah character.
1: You do it much better than I did. I was almost going into Jeff Jarrett territory. Uh, the Iconics have broken up as a team and it looks like Peyton's going to be the heel judging from raw underground. Uh, they amuse me to no end. It's been obvious that Vince has some sort of affinity for Peyton and, uh, look, she just got done. I think she got second place in the bikini contest. So, um, I think they're going to see what they have with her as terms of a solo star, but, uh, Billy's kind of the personality of the group, which it's going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking about is I know that Vince is initially high on Peyton, but I think long term, Billy, who we've talked about in the ring, is not as skilled as Peyton. But in terms of characterization and in terms of selling, like she's great at selling uh, because she has these. Just these like, wow, like I love Lucy, Lucille Ball style faces as she's getting murdered, just like she was doing on Raw Underground. And they're hilarious. They are like uh, high level heel bad guy selling fear stuff. And she's a good character. And in this company and the type of matches that you're asked to have in this company, um, I don't know that she doesn't long term end up being the winner of the split here
1: you gotta be joking me um (laughs) yeah i i don't she won't be because they're gonna they're gonna have peyton beat her 30 times on television right
0: right no no i think the the big mistake here is to me the big mistake is turning her face because billy is not a baby face billy is a heel
1: and uh finally i i like the hurt business a lot
0: Yeah, I'm going to say that. I like them a lot. Absolutely.
1: If in the hands of a more competent company, I would be very excited to see them week after week after week. MVP is phenomenal on the microphone. Shelton as kind of the stooge slash uh, enforcer. I like and uh, and they're hitting the right notes with Lashley as well. So I'm uh, I'm all for this. And it's and and as we said a couple weeks ago, uh, now that uh, now that Cedric's not going to be the one turning unless he turns next week. It's going to be ricochet, isn't
0: it? The best part (laughs) about that girl's dialogue uh, to go back to that high level acting um, was when she said, and wow, Cedric, you never turned, did you? Um, And she delivered it in a way. That was so neutral that I couldn't tell if she was foreshadowing or not. See, Jeff, you're saying that she wasn't good at acting. I'm telling you, I'm here to say she is.
1: <laughs> She's good for WWE. No, Can I ob- say objective,
0: that? I- the platonic form of the good acting.
1: Well, let's get to the good Smackdown this week. Uh, I liked the visual of Paul Heyman talking and Roman just dead staring into the camera. I wish he had spoken a little less and I'm talking about Roman there because watching him just with the death stare, like he's looking into all of us going, you all booed me. I dug it and I dig this pair.
0: Yeah, no, I think Paul Heyman is a vast improvement from suffering succotash. And the one thing you don't have to worry about with this pairing is subpar dialogue. Because even when Heyman gets tasked with going out and delivering a WWE-ish promo with a lot of WWE parlance, Heyman goes out there and puts his stank on it in a way that will always keep Roman above the suffering, succotash, no credibility line. And so long as he's there, I I think it's a vast improvement. I think the only maybe misstep tonight was I thought the dynamic between Jay and Roman was off from what they were trying to do. Like what they were trying to do is obviously, you know, Roman's giving him the cold shoulder, doesn't believe in him, doesn't take him seriously, thinks he's just a tag team guy and thinks he's like the lesser cousin or whatever. And like something was just wrong about the dynamic between Jay and Roman. I'm struggling for the word for it, but like they just didn't seem to be in the right emotional spaces.
1: Yeah, I I think it was kind of the uh Roman Roman needed to be in that space where I don't know if this ever happened to you, but like a couple years after you graduate from high school, you go back to your hometown and you meet up with a friend who wants to reminisce about the cool things you used to do and you just kind of give the <laughs> yeah, that was kind of cool type of thing. That's the vibe he needed in my opinion and he wasn't quite getting there and I think Jay Jay was kind of talking about nothing so there weren't any stakes to him.
0: Yeah, that's the other part too. Well, I mean, he was literally talking about stakes. <laughs> <That's> too- <laughs> the stakes were quite literally stakes. <laughs> And we'd like to
1: welcome our sponsor, Omaha Steaks. No. Um... Hey, if they
0: want to sponsor <laughs> us, oh, I do a lot it. of cooking at home. I Send can product. talk about. Yeah, no, I can talk about your Chuck roast. Uh, what, what you got? What you got? Omaha <laughs> Steaks. Send them. Mm. <clears> meat. <Yeah. laughs>
1: and then clocking in at a hefty 42 minutes for the stopwatch types. And you know who you are. The story of Sasha and Aunt Pam has come to its natural conclusion, Chris. I thought this hit all the right notes. We must give credit, even when we criticize the WWE. We must also give praise. This hit every note almost perfect, I think, starting from the promo, where it was obviously Sasha giving a babyface promo. Yeah, let's go win those titles back. And none of the stuff from previous weeks where she's glaring at her, the belt around Bailey. she's gonna be satisfied with the tag belt. And, and Bailey's kind of okay, okay. They get to this match. Sasha's the fiery baby face. They're putting her over as the scrappy underdog, which may have been a... may have been a bad point when she goes in there and cheats for the double team, but other than that, misstep. I liked it. I loved the beatdown after the match. I loved that nobody came to help Sasha because heels should not have friends.
0: Because she's been a heel for so long.
1: Exactly. I thought Bailey was good to great being vicious. I think there were a couple of... uh, There was was a little bit of uh, scenery chewing in the pausing, but I loved the spot with the uh, head in the chair for a for a women's feud i find that very very brutal i think
0: uh i'll I'll stop you though jeff you know i i think that this is a good spot for like uh the squash level person like a dana brooke to come out there and try to make the save like she's just gonna stand up for what's right or whatever and then bailey annihilates her
1: okay yeah I'll, i'll take that i will take that uh yeah i want uh Now they got to follow up on it. Now I want to see the Bailey promo because if the Bailey promo, I don't want to see cackling Bailey. I don't want to see cocky Bailey. I want to see evil Bailey because this was evil Bailey and I'm here for evil Bailey.
0: Yeah, no, I I think this is a great twist. Uh, I think, you know, it puts new fire into her title reign. Uh, I I also think that it sets a nice long-term story arc here, right? Like we have, we have, hit the foreshadowing point of Sasha once again not being able to successfully defend the title. So, I think what's going to happen eventually is she'll defeat Bailey, at least the temporary plan is. She defeats Bailey and then she's able to hold on to the title for a lengthy amount of time, but this this title win really means something. And to your point, th- this is a storyline that WWE, despite missteps along the way here, has done a good enough job where they have raised the stakes behind the title. Because it's not really about the belt. It's about the quality of the story and then the layers of the story. And the belt is but a prop in it.
1: I'm going to lay something on you. I think I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again anyways. I think they should separate Sasha and Bailey for now. I think they should draft Sasha over to Raw. I think she should win the Raw title over there. I think Bailey should remain on SmackDown. She somehow loses the title, maybe in a three-way when she's not pinned. She wins the Royal Rumble, and then she challenges Sasha for the Raw women's title, saying, we know you've never defended it.
0: Oh, um, man, Sasha's first title defense.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's,
0: that's, a that's good that's a good way to go. That's a good way to go. And it
1: kind of becomes the anti-NXT Brooklyn, where you have... The doubts of Sasha, whether she can beat Bailey, And you have Bailey as the cocky, you know, <laughs> I'd love to see her come out and escalate like Sasha did for Brooklyn. But, you know, you know what I'm saying? The roles are reversed here. And I think that would be perfect for WrestleMania. And I would go to WrestleMania in L.A. if they let me. Um, <laughs> if they let people in. And I would go to watch that. That would be an excuse for me to go see that but they can't do it any sooner. I don't want them I don't want them blowing this off at like TLC or you know Fast Lane or something before Mania. This is the Mania match.
0: Yeah, no, I'm torn, right? Cuz like I would want them to hold this off till Mania, but this company is so fickle with its long-term booking that I don't trust it to have the patience to do that. Like I'm relieved that we've gotten to this point in the story and it's made as much sense as it's made so far.
1: Oh, with Sasha mad-dogging the belt all those weeks, I thought for sure that they were going to make Sasha the heel. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, if they do that, that's the biggest mistake they can make right now. The, the job is to make Bailey know Sasha to the point where she knows how evil Sasha could be and, and get at her. I, th- I thought it hit all the right beats. It was great. It was great. So NXT ran on Tuesday. AEW ran on Wednesday. Both had increases in audience. Both did quite well. AEW over 900,000. I believe it finished fourth for the night. NXT over 830,000.
0: These are both respectable numbers.
1: These are respectable to the point where you'd think, and there's a rumor from our boy Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful that there have been talks of moving NXT to a different night. I don't think this is the worst idea. I've also heard that this hasn't been brought up, so there, there's two sides to it. But it, look, there's not going to be the competition in terms of ratings. There are two different demographics. Cut your losses, much like stock trading, and, uh, and, and go on your way i think
0: yeah i I mean if anything it seems like both are just losers in this rating war what they end up doing is they fight over a small swing voter demographic there's
1: there's there's 1.5 million wrestling fans who watch wrestling outside of monday night and friday night and that's who they're battling for
0: yeah right and it's it when you have them both running simultaneously, it just, the audience will split 60, one week and 64 to the other, not, you know, and it's, it's just a small little needle moving in the center. Whereas I think both could just end up with bigger portions of the pie. If they were on different nights. Um, and for WWE's point, it might make sense and it might help them in the ratings war to run before AEW the day before
1: summertime and at my bookie that can mean only one thing it's winning season winning season means doubling your first deposit winning season means free bets super contests survivor and more at my bookie winning season is all about your chance to win big bet nba playoffs nhl playoffs major league baseball ufc and then some the craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here it's simple make your picks win big collect your cash invest in your intuition Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's Live Betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code ROPES, that's R-O-P-E-S, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Once again, that code R O P E S ropes and we thank my bookie for sponsoring us for the past couple weeks. Yeah, I I there's no ratings war, Chris. <laughs> it's not a war. No,
0: Jeff, there's a ratings war. I believe in it. I want a war. It's there's attritional. No, We're no, fighting for turf.
1: No skirmishes. There's <laughs> There's uh, you, it, it's 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 a blowout because of the way they do ratings. Um it's <laughs> For, you, for your line of work, it's the electoral college. Of... <laughs> you know, it's not total viewers. It's the right viewers and who they get. So, yeah, it, it was also a tale of two shows. Uh, I guess we'll finish up with AEW. So let's do NXT first. I found this show dull and that's bad because a four-way with those four guys, I was looking at my watch
2: Off Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: There's, you know, none of the, the false January
0: stuff was really engaging either.
1: Yeah. The, you know, the. Do you, a, do you have a rundown in front of yeah, you? Yeah,
0: know. I, I mean, here, I'll, I'll hit you. You've got Brizongo defea- and uh, Swerve Scott defeating Legato del Fan- de Fantasma. Okay. Um, props to Legato
1: del Fantasma for coming out with black jeans with knee pads over them for the street fight. I incorrectly thought they hadn't, but this wasn't, this wasn't a street fight. This was, uh, you know, an indie match with, with Plunder. So, yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, or like a kind of lucha underground style match of sorts, kind of loose rules. Um, then you had Candice LeRae defeating Casey Catanzaro. Okay, Oof, that, that Candace
1: promo wasn't very good. Uh, Casey Catanzaro uh, <laughs> still looks like a child in there. No matter who she's, she's up against, a
0: great squash opponent for Candace. Mm. Um, but like, I I just everything about this and then having Caden Carter come down to the ring with her kind of stand by while Candace is, you know, massacring Casey that like didn't help either of them. Uh, then we get to Tim Thatcher uh, defeating Bronson Reed.
1: Boy, so thank God we built up Bronson Reed, right?
0: Right. Yeah. I thought this was weird. I, I thought this would be a really great opportunity to showcase Reed's power and his ability to kind of like throw off thatcher's locks and like maybe you know force a count out or something but some sort of continuation here yeah Reed shouldn't be straight up losing
1: yeah well in in wwe land he didn't because austin theory came out and interfered
0: yeah yeah
1: but you know it's at you know it's 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 their mindset versus our mindset no he just lost but uh in the uh interview before the match i'm here for a mercedes martinez versus rhea ripley cage match I'm here for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's going to be good. Um, I'm looking forward to that. And then we got to our main event here. And 60
1: minutes of spots.
0: Yeah. And pacing and then spots and then and, pacing
1: and a lack of heat. And a lack of fighting.
0: The really. joy of a match like this. And I don't love the four-man match, and the Iron Man format is not necessarily my jam either. <laughs> but the joy of a match, insofar as you were going to have something like that, would be if you had had really meaningful storylines that wove together these four individuals. And we were excited to see them all collide Because we've been telling so many interesting stories, like to put it in like New Japan 2013 parlance, like you'd have like Tanahashi, uh, Nakamura, maybe AJ Styles and Shibata or something like that. And, you know, you have all these like built in stories between these different people and these interesting layers um, and just texture to it. And Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole don't really have anything going on right now. Adam Cole and Finn Bauer don't really have anything going on right now. Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa don't really have anything going on right now. They're just in a match. Tommaso and Johnny's feud is not really particularly hot because they're both basically heels right now. Um, And then, you know, Finn Bauer's there. He's a dude. He's a guy. He's hanging out. Um, He's getting ready to be in a feud with people, but he's not really in a feud with people. So why do I want 60 minutes of this, Jeff?
1: I don't know. It looks like they're going back to Gargano and Ciampa again.
0: Who which... are we turning? Are we we're turning Ciampa face? Oh, that's true. That's very, very true. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> he, they just did a stretcher job spot with the guy well, last no, week. No,
1: no, 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 no. I, well, I was thinking I was thinking, who's the baby faces and who are the heels in this match, and for a second
0: there I wasn't sure. Technically because... Because... it's Adam Cole, but he's like an ice cold baby face, baby.
1: Yeah, well, like, yeah like everybody's turned... In like the last four months in this match and you're just like oh yeah that guy's now a baby face that guy's now a heel
0: finn balor had been working in this tweener spot and mm-hmm. like basically adam cole's kind of in that same like tweener region too uh with like babyface ish tendencies but this is the problem with tweener stuff if they're not doing really 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 cool stuff from a week-to-week basis um they get you just kind of get lukewarm on them because you don't you don't feel the love but you don't feel the hate either
1: oh and we'll end with AEW and we'll preview uh, all out for let's 2020 why not let's, let's step on some toes here yeah I'm <laughs> here to step on some toes uh, dynamite boom oh, Chris we gotta talk about this go home show we gotta talk about the nature of a go home show I understand for those of you who are younger viewers of wrestling maybe even in your 20s early 30s and you just want a good wrestling show with good wrestling, and you want to see everybody have fun and everybody do spots, you probably might have enjoyed this show. I, I didn't hate it, but I'm just like, are they trying to sell this pay-per-view
0: Right, like, or like, not? No, I, I get where you're going here. Santana and Ortiz versus the best friends. What is that? I I mean I guess it's sort of tied to the pay per view right, but like, uh, um, the young bucks and Jurassic Express, uh, versus SCU and Private Party. Like, I I don't really know that that made the close for me either.
1: Yeah, I I'll, I'll go into the most maddening thing. Thunder Rosa debuted three days before the pay per view, where she is the NWA champion. She's the champion coming from another territory. She to take a on a
0: lengthy match with Serena Deeb. Yes. <laughs> a lengthy match. This Not just, should have Chris, been an exhibition of her finishing move.
1: Yes. It should have been a squash, or they should have done the squash last week and then maybe worn her out this week with Serena Deeb. I like Serena Deeb. Don't get me wrong. I'm I happy know, I, she's was, getting work.
0: It was cool to see her back on, but the other thing is, like, If you're someone who's been watching wrestling for a length of time, um, you are familiar with who Serena Deeb is. And and the other issue here is she becomes, in a weird way, sort of the story of the match for you versus Thunder Rosa, who's the person who's going into the pay-per-view.
1: You're stealing a little bit of my Thunder Rosa, but I'll take it from here. Number one, they never said anything about Serena Deeb, and this is a problem on AEW where... They just assume everybody watches everything and everybody knows everybody and they don't and they need to explain it. Number two, by the end of this match, commentary was putting over Serena Deeb as possibly getting a job with AEW. That is not the goal of this match. The goal of this match is to get us to want to watch the Sheeta-Thunder Rosa match. Let me explain the psychology also of a squash match yes it is supposed to get over the person's finisher yes it's supposed to make them look like a badass but there's also this thing in squash matches and this is why i like them so much there is the when you look at a developmental talent and this is something that died during the monday night wars that a lot of people just i don't think understand like if you go back and watch an old superstars you'll probably find it boring because squash matches aren't supposed to be good. They're supposed to build stars. And there's the everyman factor to a good squash match. You're watching someone who could be you. Oh, I could go in there and do that. I could go in there and be like the Malkies or uh, Tom Stone or you know Barry Horowitz maybe if I exercise a little bit more, whatever. And, and the, then the wrestler comes in and they beat a quote-unquote normal person. So thus, they are larger than life. They're a bigger star. And then when you get one star going up against another star, it becomes a big deal. And what happened during the Monday Night Wars was we had all these great wrestlers on the undercard, but they were smaller, so we sacrificed them to the bigger guys. And so when we wanted people to be interested in these smaller guys who could really wrestle, eventually it waned. I mean, we liked the matches, but the star power of all those guys, from the luchadores to the cruiserweights to, you know, on WWE it was every guy got an entrance, every guy had a theme song, and then they try and push them and we'd get skits and stuff like that, but their star had diminished. The point was to build Thunder Rosa over as a star. And it didn't do it, in my opinion. And not everybody knows who Thunder Rosa is.
0: Yeah, I agree. And there's a decent chance that if they are a more casual fan or a lapsed fan and they watch WWE, they might know who Serena Deeb is.
1: They might. But you might want to tell us who she is if we're going to go that far into it and we're going to put her over on commentary. She's a veteran. Great. Okay. Tell me more. That's the time to bring in Veda Scott cuz she could say it. You know, I know, I don't think she was around on that day, but still. Ugh, what what next, Chris? There's a bunch Don't do the main segments. Let's do some of the mid-card segments like uh oh, I don't know. Let's do this other Jake Roberts Battle Royale sp- segment.
0: Oof. Jake, man, he continues to just be an active negative on the microphone, which is so weird cuz like it seemed like the one thing he still kind of had left was that promo, but like he, his just sense of timing is, is weird. And it feels like he's trying to tell a story that is contrary to what the plan is. Yeah. Like he's kind of going into business for himself when he's on the mic.
1: Very much so. And I like managers. I like stables, but the managers are more interesting than their stables. And that's a problem. These guys need to be able to interact with the manager on the microphone and be able to have kind of a conversation with Tony if they're doing the thing and cutting a promo. But these guys need to learn how to talk. Otherwise, it's just going to be us wanting to see Eddie Kingston and Taz fight or Jake Roberts and Taz fight. It's got to be more like the, the, the Revelation and Tully Blanchard a little bit where you have Tully doing some talking, but you also have the Revelation doing some talking. It just, the the segment didn't work
0: for me. Um, other segments uh, of note here. Let's talk about this Dark Order versus Cardona, Natural Nightmares, and Scorpio, Scorpio Sky package. Um, I just, these guys need to have a little bit more going on. The babyfaces do. We need to like them. We need to actually want to see them win. And I still feel real sense of ambivalence like they tried to connect the dots with like the natural nightmare saying like we want to get comeuppance for Cody um but like you know Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky Cardona saying I don't even work here didn't help sell this match no it and he hasn't been made a made package it, yeah right it made it seem smaller
1: yeah I, I'm just I you can't just put him on TV and say oh look it's Matt Cardona you got to you gotta tell me a story with him. You got to say something. You know, okay, he's Cody's friend. Great.
0: But if I were him next week, if I were AEW and I wanted to be ballsy about this, I would start making his storyline about having third-party services like Twitch and how Matt Cardona is a guy who is an exact victim of Vince stifling him for having a successful YouTube channel, something like that. But you need to give this guy some sort of flavor.
1: Kenny Omega is a sneaky bad promo. I'm I I've never liked his promos all that much to be honest with you. No, but,
0: but no, I I Kenny Kenny stinks. <laughs> like I
1: I, <laughs> I was trying to think what 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 my issue here and not just Kenny, but there's a few others here. Uh like Jim Ross's problem. I've I've come and to Kenny the conclusion Kenny
0: doesn't nail emotional spaces. Like he's just saying the words and he's kind of saying Sort of the right words, but like his attitude is not a human being's attitude. Mm -hmm. It's like a weird impression of a human being. I'm playing
1: the character of Kenny Omega as Kenny Omega in a Kenny Omega segment. Yes. That's what it is. I I am
0: Kenny Omega on TV right now.
1: Yeah. Whereas JR needs to be more centered in the reality of AEW versus commenting on it and then trying to be centered. Again, I think. Kenny kind of has the same problem at times. He's a little too self-aware. Um,
0: it's also, they tried to zig and zag a lot with the yeah. page and Omega dynamic in a way that I think has left, it's left things weird uh, because what Paige is doing right now is so kind of nuanced and stretching believability like i i get that the apparent narrative is that he didn't want to fight his friends and he really likes the bucks but he didn't want to fight them but like at the same time he's screwing over his boys so it like i don't know the the easier way for them to have gone is page is kind of enamored by ftr um instead they tried to you know kind of as I said, Zig, when they were going to zag or whatever, and they wanted to make this about Kenny now and asking Kenny to carry uh, the acting part of this is perhaps asking more out of Kenny than uh, than he's capable of delivering.
1: And then the two segments that were way too similar in tone, the Jericho Orange Casty and the MJF John Moxley segments which one do you want to take first
0: uh hit me with your orange Cassidy takes
1: uh you go with the orange Cassidy Jericho one because I, I I I don't have a strong opinion of it other than it was too similar
0: I guess yeah. it's fine I, it, it's it's okay I I just here's my problem with the Jericho Cassidy thing it's not new from last week it's that Jericho kind of keeps smacking it over the head that, like, this is supposed to be a star-making thing for Orange Cassidy. And the more he says it like that, the further away you get from star-making. I agree. Like, I can't think... it. It's this meta thing. It's it, I, Kind of going back to the Kenny Omega objection where it's like, he's doing this weird meta thing. Jericho is trying to do a meta star-making angle with Orange Cassidy. This angle's gone on too long. And he's... I, they're just... They're so enamored with this Mimosa match. It's
1: uh, it, what, Here's what's weird to me is that Jericho's basically expository, expounding, I guess. I'm, I'm trying to think. He's saying, just go with the simple word, Hawkins, you moron. <laughs> he's saying, he's basically saying the TNA template, which was, we're going to get these WWE stars. We're going to put new guys in there with them, and then they're going to get the rub from it. And it just feels like... Look, I think uh, this is this is why the empty crowd is a problem, because Orange Cassidy is over like Rover, and he'd be huge on TV. It doesn't come off that way. That's that's the problem here.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is a problem. Um, I think a lot of the problems with the writing of this angle would probably be negated by the crowd, or the crowd would have taken them a pretty good stretch stretch of the way. It, it, what is the general consensus on the Mimosa? mayhem match is like do people think this is a good idea or like a a cool fun thing
1: i think people find it funny okay and that's kind of the the aew crowd i think likes it because it's their sense of humor and then curmudgeons like myself and jim Cornette don't
0: well i why don't you like a good fart joke jeff well
1: no you know what there's plenty of comedy in wrestling um the problem, again, the problem is MG, the MJF angle has way too much comedy in it. And oh, that's, yeah. And that's, to me, To me, I would be far more forgiving of this program if the main event program were more serious.
0: No, the like, the main event program, to me, is far more egregious, so why don't we move along to that?
1: We had a go-home show where the main event was plugged by a comedy match with the former... Former indie and ROH star, I believe, Mark Sterling playing the attorney here. The beatdown after the match was fine. I hadn't just seen one with Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. But Garrett Kidney, our old friend, the guy who WWE broke, nailed this. And this, the way they booked this was WWE light. That's coming from me. This, this is WWE style booking where... The guy who gets the beatdown probably loses, probably wins the match. So you have to have the heel come out on top. But there was a time, Chris, when we would plug pay-per-views with grudge matches where we would get a fiery babyface promo from Moxley after this beatdown saying all the terrible things he was going to do to MJF. And that's what I felt was lacking in this.
0: Yeah, there's a much better way to have done this spot. So Moxley agrees to have the match with Sterling. um, And we talked about the issues with it because obviously MJF is faking the neck angle and the reveal of his neck being fine seconds after the match made this match even more dumb. So in an effort to negate that problem, what should have happened during this match is Ambrose, instead of doing comedy with Sterling should have initially started off with a little bit of comedy. And then it should have been absolutely savage on Sterling as Wardlow looks on mildly horrified. Ambrose grabs the microphone. He's beating up Sterling. He's like what Jericho is doing to Janella, like that, but like worse on Sterling. Um, Gets done. Finally hits him with uh, his future shocker. What's it called? The uh, impact changer. I, I can't think of the name. Is Paradigm, Paradigm Shift. Shift. There we go. Thank you. Um, which is illegal that, in the match. Yeah, which is illegal in this match. Even though MJF revealed his neck brace to be totally fine after this match. So then you like. F- hold on. Let me let me
1: stop it. I am fine with that because they used to ban the pile driver in matches. That's old school. I dug that. That's. Fine. I would be Continue.
0: fine with that if. Ambrose made it clear that he was trading that off so that he could massacre this lawyer that like he wanted to just send a statement of brutality. Um, And instead he was doing whimsy with the lawyer and toying Mm -hmm. with him. It should have been brutal. And then MJF comes down. Sterling's like, Oh, you're here to save me. And MJF does something to Sterling and wipes him out. Then he attacks Ambrose and you can still finish it off. WWE style where the heel's standing strong. So you can make sure the baby face, wins um, at the pay-per-view here. But I just, I thought they mishandled this and it, it's been too much comedy throughout. And this was a really great time to drop the comedy and bring it home for the intensity of this match. Because the other thing, back to the TNA format, because you said it was WWE-ish, but it's also TNA-ish. The other hope here is that MJF is going to get the rub from working with the ex-WWE guy, John Moxley. And the way they have done this angle with all of the comedy and not kind of getting off of the comedy ramp at any point during the build of this has not helped MJF in his long-term goals. It hasn't hurt him, but it hasn't helped him, I wouldn't say.
1: So let's go through the all-out card. Got ten matches here. Two, I believe, will be on the pre-show. I'll probably be watching this, I think, live.
0: Um when yeah, is this show, Jeff? It, it is. Tell sat- people. Is it
1: Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night.
0: Uh, what's that from? Or what are we just? Are we just doing that
1: tonight? Um. Tonight.
0: <laughs> I can. I, I can second whatever you say. It's fine. I can make yeah, it work. Yeah.
1: I, I. I. I don't know, but it's uh, tomorrow night. Today t- or tonight? If tonight, because most people, most most people will be downloading this on uh, Saturday morning. Uh. Pre-show matches, Private Party taking on the Dark Order duo formerly known as the Beaver Boys, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver, who corpses like a madman. Uh, who you got?
0: Um, I'm going to say uh, it's Private Party. Uh, yeah. I, I think Pri- Private Party beats the uh, the scrubs of the Dark Order.
1: I do as well. Uh, and in a cinematic match, uh, because I believe Britt Baker is still not 100%, uh Britt Baker with Rebel taking on Big Swole in a tooth and nail match.
0: I think Big Swole wins this. Uh I mean it it seems it would be so weird for Britt Baker to win this.
1: Um yeah, I could see them doing it because it's not gonna be a real match. Right. It's gonna be
0: And you could have uh, Reba lose the match for Britt Baker.
1: But, I mean, if depending on how long it's going to be for Britt to be 100%, I would have Big Swole run right through her. But uh, who knows? They might, uh, they might just be setting up for the wrestling match. So if they're doing that, I could see Britt Baker winning this. But I think Big Swole should win this.
0: Yeah, the other way to go here is you have Britt Baker win this because of Reba. And Reba proves herself to actually be useful, and Britt Baker doesn't appreciate it.
1: That's the other thing a go home show or at least two shows ago with that many stipulations this show has more stipulations than Starcade 84 this thing is and and you know being that this is their Starcade I don't have a problem with that I just didn't need all the gimmick matches leading up to it
0: yeah i, I mean I guess I wouldn't have a problem with it, but then these stipulations are also like stupid stipulations, like tooth and nail, like like they're mimosa death match or mimosa mayhem, <laughs> like they're dumb stipulations. And if I told you a year ago that there was going to be a card that was going to feature stipulations like the tooth and nail. And the Mimosa Mayhem match, you would have been like, oh, what are we? We're doing TNA from the middle of the last decade here. Like, you, you know, you, you would have been hitting me with punchlines. That's all I'm saying.
1: In what has been the bloodiest feud in AEW history, Matt Hardy taking on Sammy Guevara in a broken rules match. If Hardy loses, he must leave AEW.
0: Mm. Uh, I think Hardy has to lose, right?
1: think Hardy loses, and he has a new character that he's going to debut.
0: That's not, quote-unquote, Matt Hardy. Of course. Right. Maybe he's Willow. Maybe he comes back as Willow. (laughs)
1: He's... (laughs) I was trying to think what's what's a synonym for Willow, but all I could think of was Pussy Willow, and I didn't want to say the other
0: word. He comes back as, like, cedar or oak.
1: Bamboo shaft.
0: Just... <laughs> burn, he's, burn, he's shaft. Burn, he comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get the Isaac Hayes music. Yeah, bamboo shaft.
1: <laughs> uh, the Jurassic Express of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus taking on the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, straight up tag team match. I'll go. I think uh, I need the Bucks lose to the Ju- Jurassic Express and do a beatdown afterwards and have to be restrained. I think the Elite are all going heel
0: yeah all right i'm into that i i think that makes some sense um yeah uh yeah i i, I think that makes sense uh all right cool i agree
1: what could be a very fun match eight man tag match the dark order of brody lee colt cabana Eva uno and Stu grayson taking on matt cardona scorpio sky and the natural nightmares of dustin rhodes and qt
0: marshall I think the Dark Order win this match. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. It could be a very fun match. Um, it, it could just be a series of spots. Um, and kind of my turn, your turn sort of match. Uh, so I, I could see it sort of going either way. Uh, but yeah, no, I think Dark Order has to win this match, especially after Private Party gained the win earlier in the night.
1: And I think QT Marshall's eat the pin Because that's yeah. his job. The 21-Man Casino Battle Royale, Darby Allen, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Penta, L0M, Ray Phoenix, The Butcher, The Blade, Eddie Kingston, Sean Spears, Billy and Austin Gunn, Jake Hager, Santana, Ortiz, Chuck Taylor, Trent, and a mystery 21st man. Chris, let's do a couple of prop bets. Or you say who you think is going to win this. Give me who you think might be TBA.
0: Sting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I nailed it.
1: Yeah, I can't. Oh, I can't control myself. Um, I am thinking to be announced, and this is going off of no rumors whatsoever, because I haven't seen any. It's either going to be the returning pack or it's going to be chris hero i think one of those two would be a good choice here i think darby allen wins this
0: okay interesting i think we see whatever eddie kingston's got cooking i think we see it come together during the course of this battle royal and part of me almost thinks that maybe Kingston's entire angle is to win this Royal rumble, like basically through like a Rube Goldberg contraption of backstabbing.
1: Okay. Yeah. I could see that, but I could see him getting then foiled by Darby Allen. Like, yeah. Get, okay. I like guess sure. plan sure. happens. Like it, like, uh, what's a modern corollary? Like JJ, <laughs> not, this isn't modern, but this is my fandom. Like when they did the bunkhouse stampedes and the horsemen were the only ones left with jj Dillon and they all decided to jump over the top rope to eliminate themselves so that jj dylan could have the victory and then lex luger said no and threw him over the ropes i could see something like that happening maybe with like ray phoenix
0: okay yeah i could see that and then you turn you turn one of those four guys in the in the well, stable ter- of sorts
1: you turn ray babyface yeah
0: okay sure
1: Karo versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship.
0: Does Thunder Rosa win? I don't think it would be a bad call to put the belt on her, but doesn't she also have her own promotion too, in addition to whatever commitments she has with NWA?
1: She's building one off of the ground.
0: Okay. Okay. So I think that it wouldn't be a bad call to put the belt on her. But, but do they. I don't think they do. I think it's sort of like well, I don't know. I think I think they have Sheeta Beater. I I actually think they have her Beater clean. Yeah,
1: I was about to say I do think they, they 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 put the belt on Thunder Rosa, but then I realized uh what we got coming up later and I don't think they're going to have that many title changes, but uh I think they like Sheeta. I think Sheeta's going to Suffer quite a bit in this match, and I think they're going to try and make Sheeta stronger by having Thunder Rosa dominate this match for the most part. But I do think Sheeta wins.
0: I think the the move this is outside the box stuff, but I think the move here would be to do a double turn, start turning Sheeta heel and turn Thunder Rosa face during this match.
1: Hmm. I don't know if Sheeta works as a heel.
0: Do as in like she has not done work as a heel or you don't think her act works as a heel i don't
1: think her act works as a heel right now and especially in a in a fed where you have uh nyla rose and other and the, i mean and Britt baker oh you around. get that
0: wood sword out there and let her go to shop on some people
1: <laughs> actually i could see nyla rose interfering in this match
0: okay i could see that too there you go so then you have the non-finish angle Mm-hmm. But but I, I think the play here is a double turn. But that that's I don't predict that.
1: For the AEW World Tag Team Champions, your challengers, FTR, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood with D- Tully Blanchard, the greatest man to ever live taking <laughs> on Kenny Omega and Adam Page. I think I think they win the belts. I think I think it's a title change.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it it seems like Kenny Omega and Adam Page's story has been told here, too. Uh, So, yeah, I I think we are finishing the split between Omega and Page at the end of the match. Omega beats the crap out of Page. Maybe FTR comes in for the save. Um, And like uh, maybe there is a friendship that forms between FTR and Page
1: i mm, i Maybe just these want are th- his
0: new friends
1: could be i what i want on it well see i could see tully getting mad at that though <laughs> uh i just don't want the histrionic match i don't want the drama match of oh kenny and adam aren't getting along
0: oh well kenny's really good at doing subtle so i don't think you have to worry about that jeff <laughs>
1: Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a Mimosa Mayhem match. The match can be won by pinfall submission or throwing the opponent into a tank of Chekhov's mimosas. Um,
0: <laughs> I hate that match.
1: Oh, Chris, Chris, if they did a pinfall without throwing someone in the mimosas, it, it would only Orange make me happy. Orange Cassidy
0: taps out to the walls of Jericho <laughs> in the middle of the ring.
1: Yes, that is what I want. And I then want... Jericho
0: tosses him into the mimosa afterwards. Yes,
1: yes please give me that. Oh, uh, who do you who do you think wins? And uh, if it's anybody but Orange Cassidy, you're wrong.
0: Okay, well, I think Chris Jericho is going to tap out. <laughs> no, uh, I think Chris Jericho is going to be hamming it up in the mimosa pool, screaming and making himself the focal point and Cassidy mm-hmm. will give a cool thumbs up at the end of this. Uh, they, oh,
1: and, and, and the inner circle is going to come out and help me out of this. Come on. And they're all going to fall, fall in as well. And you know,
0: Santana mm-hmm. Ortiz are going to fall Maybe the best friends push yeah. Santana Ortiz in and they're all, and then they're hanging out with their pal, orange Cassidy at the end of the match. Hmm. 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 Ah, uh, they, you know, the thing is, dude, like, When he accidentally bled at the end of that one uh, dynamite, like that was the hottest he ever was, at least for me. But I think ever period. Um, like he had, he was a cool guy, but he could handle like a badass situation. Like that, the thing about him bleeding and still just giving the casual thumbs up is like clearly stuff is awry, and he's cool as a cucumber, and it makes like. It it shows that that attitude is a mindset versus just like a guy who doesn't give a care about anything in the world. And I just they've just gotten away from that, man. They've just gotten away from it.
1: And finally, for the AEW World Championship, John Moxley taking on MJF with Wardlow. Chris, the floor is yours. I think.
0: That MJF loses this match, right? But if...
1: Oh, hold on. I need to give the stipulation. Moxley is banned from using his paradigm shift.
0: Right, right. I think maybe a miscommunication between MJF and Wardlow is what costs MJF the match, though, ultimately. And that starts setting up the rift here.
1: I think there might be the rift that comes here. Let me throw something else out at you. If it's any referee other than Aubrey, there's a ref bump and Moxley uses the paradigm shift anyways to win. And then MJF cries about being screwed.
0: Oh, okay, sure, sure. So like that gives him that gives him his asterisk that he can put on this one loss of his and his otherwise perfect record.
1: Yes. And then we get uh, we get lawyers and other things demanding that he's still undefeated
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I. I. I could see him. I could see him trying to legally stipulate that he's still undefeated after this match, and like the whole paradigm shift thing is like their way of preserving his streak or whatever. I. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. <laughs> well, no. Okay, Jeff. It, it, at the end of the day, it ends up being a legal angle after it started off as a politics angle. There. <laughs> And like I, I get you go well. There's an intersection between politics and law, but like that's not actually what's happening here.
1: Well, <laughs> and then then we get a uh, we get a fantastic debate amongst federalists and anti federalists. And
0: uh, did he truly lose? If according to the stipulation, yeah. No, I, I look forward to that robust conversation. I welcome the discourse.
1: Once again, we'd like to thank my bookie. Go to my bookie and use code ropes and double your first deposit. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. All I do is retweet when Voices puts this up on the feed. Uh, we do not do anything like Chris and, or like Rich and, and Joe do by giving our hot takes on that account. It's just, you know, hey, when you want to know a new show, you can follow the account. Chris also is knee-deep in electoral politics right now. Tell us about it. don't worry about the government.
0: Yeah, if you want some world news coverage, I got that. I got a whole episode of that over at Don't If you want a breakdown of the Electoral College map state by state, going through each battleground state, taking a look at the aggregate polls and historical data, kind of cross-referencing a bunch of stuff rather than just looking at national polls, you can find that over at Don't I'm at Chris Novembrino. C H R I S N O V. E-M-B-R-I-N-O, and you, of course, can find Don't Worry About the Government on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Also, if you want guitar lessons, if you want to learn how to play the rock guitar, like Dynamite, like Boom, you can learn it from me. Go, you Hit me up on Twitter, at Novembrino or Novembrino at gmail.com. Chris,
1: I want them to be friends again. Okay.
0: Jeff, <laughs> if you learn how to play guitar, maybe your parents will love you.